Y Group invites all AEC industry leaders to the 2024 AEC Small Business and Entrepreneurship Forum, the premier event for small firms in the AEC sector. Experience innovative strategies and insights on May 21st, crafted by Zweig Group's industry experts. Engage in keynotes and interactive sessions focused on recruitment, retention, and business growth. Join Zweig Group for this unique networking opportunity and take your business to new heights. Secure your spot today and be part of the AEC industry's future. Visit ZweigGroup.com for more information. The Zweig Group team looks forward to welcoming you. Welcome to the Zweig Letter Podcast putting architectural, engineering, planning, and environmental consulting advice and guidance in your ear. Zweig Group's team of experts have spent more than three decades elevating the industry by helping AEP and environmental consulting firms thrive. And these podcasts deliver invaluable management, industry, client, marketing, and HR advice directly to you free of charge. The Zweig Letter Podcasts, elevating the design industry one episode at a time. Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I am excited to be here today. The reason why I'm excited, even though I'm not in front of this person, this person's actually in the same town that I'm in here in Fayetteville, Arkansas. That's right. In Northwest Arkansas, where Zweig Group is based and has been for many years, I've had the opportunity to connect with a local design professional, Leanne Barabo. And Leanne is with Modus Studio. And Leanne is an architect. And she is somebody that I actually came in contact with because it had nothing to do with Zwei Group, which was quite interesting. And I'll tell that story a little later, but I'm excited to have her on the episode. And she already warned me that because her kids are still not back in school, there may be some, some interruptions from them. But you know, I told her that we're so used to nowadays just the background cacophony of noise that we hear when we're either on Zoom or doing podcasts. So it's all good. So without further ado, Leanne, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thank you. <laughs> good, good, good. It's awesome. So so tell us a little bit about yourself and about your superhero origin story as you know, being an architect and, and being a female architect, uh, most importantly. But I'd love for you just to kind of share your walk into this industry, into this space and, you know, and, and just really what has motivated you these many years that you've been doing this. Yeah, I guess I'll start out from the beginning. I just liked to draw and I liked art and in high school, I chose, that was my first choice is to go into architecture school. And the only one in the state is here in Fayetteville. So I did five years there, which is the requirement. Architecture school is five, not four years here at the University of Arkansas. <laughs> you know, all of your relatives think, oh yeah, you're on the five-year program. But no, it's actually required to go five years. And it's a wonderful program. Actually had a really great experience in school because half of my class was women at the time. That's not true for all of the classes, but it was true for mine. So it was this great supportive group of people. You know, you saw yourself and other peers. I saw myself and some of the professors. And then when you get out of school, it's 
not that way. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's kind of a part of what I'm trying to change as well. A group of women and men, we've joined, we've got multiple different committees, but one of them is women in architecture. We're trying to push more women staying in architecture because the reality of the fact is that there is support for women going to school. There is more now than there ever has been before. And we need to continue that support. But the support is gone once you get out into the profession. It is difficult to work 60 hours a week and have children and have any other sort of life outside of that. So that is the main disruptor, childcare. <laughs> Let me just yeah. like lay that out. Call Every, it what it is. <laughs> all of my peers, all of my friends who went to school with me, Almost every single one of them left the profession when they had children because it was just not possible, especially if they were in a large city. So that's it. We need more flexible working schedules, which luckily the pandemic is the happy side of the pandemic is. I think that might happen more than ever. I know a lot of friends who are finally getting the flexibility that they wanted. Maybe, maybe things will change soon. It's, it's just going to have to be a combination of men and women supporting women being architects. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, you say that. I mean, I think, yeah, it has to, I think it has to happen. Right. And I know I've, I've come in contact with, you know, a lot of African American women that are architects. And I was, when I actually learned the number or the small number of African American women that have actually gotten their AIA designation and, and have gotten licensed, I was, um, I was appa- I, not appalled. I was just amazed, I guess, more so than anything else. Because, I mean, I think knowledge is power, right? And so once you know that and are aware that, wow, okay, there's so few, you know, we have to do a better job of getting these individuals into the space and then just in general, encouraging more women to become involved in architecture, because you're absolutely right. And I've heard, we've heard the stories before. And when I was at Zui Group, you know, we heard several people declare that they were through surveys that they were, you know, about done with the profession and were leaving for greener pastures and in other areas because a they as women they were just having a hard time finding their way within such a male dominated field and on top of that, you know, for a lot of women, like you said, the perspective of wanting to have a family and raise a family and being able to manage the the requirements and the type of jobs that an architect has to do makes it a challenge at times. So, yes, I mean, and you're absolutely right. The diversity is appalling. There's no diversity. Um, <laughs> and I think that's a part of as well. It's, it's <laughs> if you go back through the history of what, who an architect was 50, a hundred years ago, of course it was all men, but it was, it was rich men, uh, they almost did it as a hobby. You know, it was, uh, <laughs> I mean, and today architects are seen, I would say on the same status level as like a lawyer and maybe even a doctor on the same income level. And that is absolutely false. We make much, much less money than other professionals and we spend all of our time. <laughs> yeah. So it is a difficult profession. You have to love it. You have to absolutely love it to stay in it. Yeah. So you bring up a couple of really good points. The first of which is that, A, a lot of times I've had to tell 
design professionals, engineers, and architects that, listen, what you guys do with the built environment is as important as it comes. And you have to really walk with your head held high in terms of the work that you do, because I hear people say, I'm just an architect or I'm just an electrical or just a civil engineer. No, I mean, you listen, we couldn't function without the work that you do, right? And you especially, I mean, you've had your hand both on the residential side, on the commercial side. There isn't much that you haven't touched from an architectural standpoint. So you pretty much know how to do everything. And there's a lot of stuff that people could throw your way that you could accomplish, you know, fairly easily that the average person couldn't do. And I just think a lot of times design professionals discount what, you know, the the value that they bring to the built environment and just to civilization as a whole. I know that's a big statement, but it is true. And the pay piece is something that I have heard Mark Zweig talk about since time began when I first got involved with this industry in 97, that as design professionals, we have never esteemed ourselves from a salary or income perspective as a lot of the other service professionals have. And we still have a ways to go with that. I'm, I'm starting to see some breakthrough in that area, but we still have a ways to go. I mean, architects should make considerable money Civil engineers should make considerable money for the problems that they solve and the things that they're able to build. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I know, I, I know you're. I, I'm preaching to the choir here. So you know, it's, I know you know that. But I mean, those are. I just, I always like to mention that because I just think sometimes we forget, right? And I think we get into a lot of times people look at architects as artists, and you are rightfully so. You are artists, landscape architects. I mean, some of the things that I've seen landscape architects design. I mean, it's just, I mean, it, it should be in a, in, a, in a museum gallery somewhere, the quality and just the way that it makes you feel, what it evokes. It's the same way when you look at a certain type of building structure and it just, you know, it, it makes the hair on your arms stand up, you know, and it's just, there's just something about it. And those are emotions and feelings that the an architect or a, another design professional has been able to evoke in the person that's able to set their eyes on that design. And I think that's really special. We wear a lot of hats. I think it's described our, what we do is a mile long and an inch high. Like we have to know a little <laughs> bit about everything. And yeah, we, we're artists. We're also like scientists. We also have to be business owners too and, and, and therapists. If you ever design a house, you're a therapist. Right. There's just so right. many different things that we touch on in a day. But yeah, it's I can a, imagine. It's a passion, but it's also an anchor. <laughs> I think the thing that people don't understand about architecture is that it takes time. We have all these great programs that we use today that are tools to create faster construction documents, faster buildings, and it still takes time to make the right decisions. I could throw a building up any day, but in order for me to design a building, it takes a lot of time. Every little piece of the puzzle has to fit or the whole thing doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, 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 you're absolutely right. And, and, and I know that since you've been, you've been at MODIS now, what, about six or seven years or eight years? That's a good question. Well, that's an easy answer. It'll be six. I started with um, the birth of my second child. Okay. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. Well, I want to say, and I want to applaud you guys because, you know, if you go to the Modus website and it's uh, modusstudio.com and check out the group, I mean, to be in Northwest Arkansas, you are a pretty diverse 
group of design professionals. And I think that there's something to be said for that. How have you gone about accomplishing this type of tapestry of design professionals from all walks of life that have kind of come under one roof and are doing some amazing work? We're very fortunate to be in Fayetteville right next to the university. We're very, very close. We work closely with the university. We do critiques with students all the time. We have students intern with us. So we do seek out diversity. We think, I mean, the more ideas, the more different backgrounds, the better. Just makes the design more rich. So that is a purposeful thing that partners have done, I know for sure. Yeah. So would you say, because I know, and this is something that I have told every design firm to focus on when it comes to, you know, reaching out to that next generation of talent coming out. I'm always amazed, you know, when I'll talk to somebody from Texas A&M or, you know, and I'm just bringing up any top design school. I mean, Texas A&M is an outstanding engineering program. And I always say, you know, if you went to A&M, you should have a beeline to all of the great talent coming out of there, right? And the same thing here. It's just like you said. I mean, if you go to, to U of A, Woo Pig, for all those that know the reference, if you go to the U of A and you go through the architecture program there, you should have a beeline to all of the top professors there. Who are the sharpest students? You should know every, you know, through every class that's coming through there, who are the people to keep an eye out for? Am I right? You're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now at Modus, did you guys kind of, are there certain people that have been the, the stewards of this or is it kind of up to everyone to kind of shine a light in that area and, and try to build relationships with these, some of these students that are coming out of uh, the U of A program? Like I said, we do, in architecture, we do pinups and okay. uh, critiques. So you take all of your work and you pin it up on a wall and you present it to everyone. And they'll call in jurors from out of state or locally. And we're a part of that a lot. So we get to see the work. We get to see the students and meet them firsthand yeah. um, quite a bit. So, and, and that's, I mean, I would say probably half of the office ends up going to those throughout the year. Mm -hmm. So that's a pretty good way to keep your thumb on what's happening. And we also are part of the career fair. The university has done a career fair for quite a bit of time now. I don't know when it started. It wasn't around when I was in school though, which is a long time ago, but sad. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm really glad that they do it because it yeah. allows us to talk directly with, you know, future architects. Right, right. That that makes perfect sense. And can you just tell us a little bit about the the work that Modus has been doing in so you went basically from kind of mostly a lot of residential work. And then when you got to Modus, you've been doing, it, has it been mo mostly commercial or all commercial for you? What was that pivot like moving from one side of the architectural coin to the other? And how, you know, how, how has that, how has this new process been for you? Yeah, that's correct. The first five years of working, I worked almost exclusively residential and then the recession hit and my office closed. <laughs> and luckily, I had... You're talking about the 2008 recession. Yeah. Correct. Okay. All right. Yes. It still stings. <laughs> <laughs> we all have PTSD from it. Um, Listen, when you think about that 2008 recession, for so many of us, I think we were moving along at a nice clip. And then all of a sudden, it was like somebody flattened our tires and bent our rims. That's how bad it was. It was like, you couldn't even roll. You know how it was like, if you have a flat tire, you can still ride your bike a little bit. 
But if your rim is bent, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. And that's that's essentially what happened to a lot of people, yes. uh, which was a tough time. And a lot of people dropped out of the profession at that time. Right. Too. I mean, right. we lost like half of the new students that just went on to a different career. Yeah. There was nothing. Yeah. I got lucky. I had two friends I graduated with that hired me. They had just gotten this really large cancer treatment facility project and they made me project manager. So I went from doing houses to being in charge of a cancer facility, which wow. is what do they say, a trial by fire. Or baptism by fire, yeah. I was very, very stressed out for a good year. <laughs> but I made it. The building is open and it's beautiful and it functions and the clients are happy. But that was my first introduction to full on commercial. I had done like a small dentist office before, but that is nothing compared to a 55,000 square foot cancer facility. Sure. So that was my first experience. And then I went on to doing like um, a dormitory for the university and then Hunt Tower, the 10 story office building in Rogers. So I was doing large, large commercial buildings which completely changed my understanding of architecture and understanding of detailing. And then about halfway through that project, I was pregnant with my second child and decided I didn't want to commute anymore and came to Modus. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, well, that makes that makes it easy. So, and then at Modus, you guys have been working on a wide variety of projects, including a project that we're both quite familiar with. And I'm going to frame this for the listener here. So, in Northwest Arkansas, there are four major cities, Fayetteville, Springdale, Rogers, and Bentonville. And each of the cities has its own kind of unique feel to it. And I would say out of all of them, Fayetteville is kind of the earthy, crunchy feel. Is that correct? Is that right? Okay. So, and it's partly because the university's there. So you've, you get, you get that, you know, that you get that kind of group of folks. And out of that city in the 1970s grew a small little co-op called Ozark Natural Foods. And Ozark Natural Foods ultimately became the largest co-op in the state of Arkansas. It's a growing entity. I personally have a little stake in it because I'm actually on the board of Ozark Natural Foods. And when I joined the board, we were in the throes of designing a new location. And so I got to sign off on some documents that allowed us to get a loan to buy a piece of property and land. But on this property was this old supermarket, which I got to tell you, Leanne, we use that. My wife and kids would go by that supermarket because my kids went to Washington Elementary School, which is just about catty corner across the street from this location. And they'd go in and get snacks. And that was about it. Nobody, I mean, it wasn't like a well-utilized supermarket, but it was a, a big box supermarket facility. And ultimately, Ozark Natural Foods bought it and hired Modus to design, basically to outfit it and turn it into something that it wasn't. I think that's, I think that's the easiest way to describe that. And I would love for you to kind of pick it up from there and just kind of talk about the experience putting that building together. And I, I'm going to share some links on the show notes so people can see the structure. It is absolutely fabulous. And if you're ever up in Northwest Arkansas, please look me up. I know a lot of people do come to visit the folks at Zui Group. So if you're ever up here, look me up. I'd love to take you in there and buy you a cup of coffee so that you can experience what Leanne and her team so deftly created. But I'd love for you just to kind of talk about that experience and what it meant for Modus to be able to create this type of structure right in the heart of downtown Fayetteville. Yeah, I I have to say, just starting off, this is 
my favorite project I've ever been a part of. And it's because it's so <laughs> close to my heart. You know, it's um, when we got the call, Chris, my husband, who's also my boss, um, <laughs> he called me in the middle of the day and said, hey, you're never going to believe who just called. Ozark Natural Foods wants us to design, to renovate at the time, their existing building. He's like, I'm pretty sure they just looked on the list of people that spend the most money and you're at the top. So they called you. (laughs) 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 I wouldn't doubt it because I'm there all the time. But I was so excited. It's just, it's like my second home because I literally would be there once a day picking up something. So we met with Mike, looked at renovating the existing facility. But at the same time, the old grocery store on the corner came up for sale and Luckily, Mike and his team decided to purchase that property instead of renovating the existing store. I honestly saw it for for sale. And I told my husband, I said, do you think that O&F would be interested in buying that building? He said, no, I think they're happy in their existing facility. I was like, oh, this is the perfect location. (laughs) Luckily, they knew that it was true too and made the move. It's the perfect, like location between a residential area and downtown. It's walkable. I mean, it's got the, the FaceTime from the street. You know, the old facility was just pushed back so far from the street. We're trying to figure out how to grab people as they come by, but it was everything already, except beautiful. It was not a beautiful building. Right. It's been abused over the years as many different grocery stores, but it is also one of the very few projects I've ever worked on that was completely supported by everyone. I mean, it's in a historic district. And these people were so excited to have their grocery store back. And then the, the planning commission was so supportive. Everyone from the city has just been so supportive of this project because it needed to happen. And I'm just so excited that it was Ozark Natural Foods that took that place instead of some other you know, neighborhood market or something. But yeah. the building didn't face the street. It faced the side street. So College Avenue being the main artery it just turned its back to that main street. And the main idea for the building was to create a front porch, create a space that actually faces the street and make that, you know, exciting and lively and full of people and how to bring local beer and local wine to this area too, because ONF had that sort of, but they weren't, you know, yeah, they weren't really portraying it well enough to get people excited about it. There's just so many things that were, if you just turn the dial just a little bit, it would be amazing. And luckily the store, the space allowed for it, having indoor dining and outdoor dining and having an actual space for the homestead that didn't seem like a separate business. I mean, there's so many things I'm excited about that have worked out so well. I just can't wait to see what's happening next. I know. It's, I mean, you know, and it's, it, it, you're almost underselling it. And this is one of the few times where I wish I could kind of like have like a, a flyover video going as you're saying all this, because it's hard for people to appreciate, but I'm going to, I'm hopefully, maybe I'll, I'll find a, a before and after photo so people can see the difference. And I'm sure you probably have some, but we'll probably try to do that and share it on the site. But I think it was one of the few times, well, not few times, but it's a time where I know, cause we worked directly with you guys. It was, you know, we came in at a decent budget. I mean, everything worked out. It, there wasn't any, it wasn't any like at the last minute, oh, we're 30% over our budget or anything like that. And, and granted, I think the people that were operating and running this, shout out to Mike and, and the rest of the team, were doing such a great job of keeping an eye on everything. 
But you guys did a really great job of being able to repurpose parts of that building and to reuse them in different ways. And then again, like you said, the side of that building was an eyesore and you'd ri- ride by it every day. Now you slow down as you ride by because there are people out there on swings, drinking coffee, having beer, having wine. There are flat screen TVs against the wall in the wintertime. People are still out there because there are heaters along the wall. So people can, I mean, it's a, it's a almost a three season space, if you will. And only on the coldest of cold days is that space not used. And most recently, we actually had a private party out there for cast members of a, a local regional theater that did a play of Matilda, had about 100 people out there for that. It's, but we still had other people on the patio at the same time. So if you could just imagine just an open space that can be utilized by the community, that's what these folks at Modus designed. And, and it has been, it has become the, one of the crowning jewels of downtown Fayetteville. Can't agree more, even though, I mean... I'm going to take partial credit, but it's, it is so the perfect space. And, and I agree it is, it is the crown jewel and it's half covered. So yes, you can use it in the rain. You can use it in three seasons easily. Yeah. Um, I just, it's just so exciting to see. <laughs> it is. It, it really is. So yeah. So I'm glad I'm, we're kind of able to marry, you know, some of what, what we do with design firms around the country at Zoi Group and also kind of bring it home to firms in our own backyard. And we've had uh, we've had other people on the podcast that are from this area. And it's always nice to be able to highlight what's happening here in Northwest Arkansas. It's one of the 100 fastest growing areas of the country. And I think we're going to double in size between now and 2045. 2045 will be, I think the estimates are going to be, we'll be twice what we are now. We're about 450,000 population. We'll be almost nine 900,000 to a million. So this area is going to continue to grow, which means that there's going to be con- there's going to continue to be work for Leanne and her team and Modus and all the cool stuff that they're doing. What are you excited about or bullish about now that we are? And I'm kind of using I'm kind of you can see me because I've got my fingers crossed. But we're slowly coming out of the pandemic, even though as I as we're recording this podcast, we are dealing with the Delta variant of the pandemic, which is not is having its way in the state of Arkansas. But what are you as a design professional bullish about right now in this season of, of change that we're experiencing in the design industry? Right now, sustainability is huge. And I think people are starting to understand why it's so important. And also outdoor spaces have never been more important ever, which ONF, luckily, we, we took that on early, even before the pandemic, that was a part of the design. So taking those two things and putting them together, renovations, which the co-op has done. Sure. I'm working on another renovation right now of an old farmer's co-op, ironically so. And it, it is also taking advantage of reusing a great old building and repurposing it for more of what we do today. It's also going to have a very grand exterior space, lots of outdoor seating. But the sustainable part is the fact that we're reusing an old building instead of knocking it down and starting from scratch. There's so many different ways that you can apply that. I mean, instead of building all these new neighborhoods, you could try to repurpose an existing home, which actually my husband and I did here. Solar, wind energy. There's just so many different parts of sustainability that I think that is where we're, we're going. And that's where we need to be leading people as architects as well. How can we do things that are more sustainable and more energy efficient? 
How can we build homes that are more energy efficient? How can we build offices and buildings? And how can we provide a better service so that buildings are more efficient overall and hopefully use less fossil fuels in the end as well? Yeah. How has the workflow changed for you guys at Modus? What percentage of people are working in the office versus working at home? Have you modified your requirements or what you allow? Because you you and I both know, I know when you started out in the industry, it was all about FaceTime. It was all about being in the office, showing up early, leaving late, the whole nine yards. The pandemic has changed a lot of that for a lot of design firms around the country. And while this is not the tech industry, there have still been some changes. What What have you guys decided to do or what are you still working through as far as that's concerned? We were completely out of the office for most of last year, as were most people, except I, I did hear about quite a few firms locally that never went home, which was interesting. But we did come back this summer. We were almost completely fully back this summer. And then thanks to the Delta variant, we are now <laughs> sort of playing hybrid version of that. If you want to go to the office, you can, but you have to wear a mask or you can work from home. It's whatever you choose to do as a person. So sure. we are luckily fully vaccinated, which makes things a little easier, but um, one of our vaccinated staff got COVID. So it's, that's kind of, you know, all bets are off at this point. You what do they call that a breakthrough? I think that's called a breakthrough. Yeah. So, but typically, hopefully that person didn't, I, I have some friends that had, I have a friend that's double vax. Got it. <laughs> but it was like, it was very like, I mean, he had like a runny nose and some other stuff, but it was very, very minimal. It affected him for like a day, but even that wasn't, I mean, he still, he never stopped working. So, yeah, so hopefully was, this person was okay. It was a mild version. They thought they had a sinus infection. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so let me ask you this, because this is always the question everybody's thinking about. Were you guys able to register or measure how efficient you were in that year that you were pretty much at working from home? Did you guys see your numbers go up in terms of the work that you were able to do? How did that play out? I don't know if we've been able to do a full, you know, office-wide recount of how how much more work was done versus less, but I think in the beginning it we probably were less productive only because we were just trying to transition from mm-hmm. work to home and figuring out how you're going to look at a tiny screen. <laughs> yeah. Buying a new screen for my house so I could see. But I'm not going to lie. I worked more during the pandemic than I think I have ever worked in a year. We had more deadlines. <laughs> we did not slow down. No right. one, people yeah. wanted their buildings until literally the last few months where we've seen crazy material costs. Only now has it finally slowed down a little. But I thank God for yeah. wood going down in price because oh it's, it's been crazy. So, you know, it's insane. Yeah. And I worked on more deadlines and I could work later. I never left my house and my kids were always here. So honestly, I think I ended up working more while everybody was drinking boxed wine to it, you know, like noon, I was like working my butt off. Right, right, right. Yeah, (laughs) no, I I get it. And you bring up a good point. A lot of firms, I talked to a lot of firm leaders that told me that they had put significant infrastructure in place for, you know, remote work anyway. So when the pandemic happened, it was an easy transition for them. But a lot of firms, it sounds like you guys were included in that. There was a little bit of a bump in the road because, you know, like you said, you had to go out and buy screens and get other stuff and make sure that, you know, your your local area network was set up and working properly so that you can share the stuff that you need to share. And 
you know, so-and-so doesn't have the fastest internet, but we need to get them the fastest internet because you and I both know that you can't throw architecture drawings around on, on a slow bandwidth because that will never work. So yeah, it was mostly just literally people taking their computers home because <laughs> we didn't yeah. have enough laptops to go around and, and, but otherwise we did have a lot of, um, we use a lot of programs that allowed us to work off of the cloud a lot. Yeah. And we switched over to cloud-based programs from sure. our stagnant server-based programs. So, yep. and we've continued that and it's been great. We were already using Zoom. We've been using Zoom for like a decade. So it was no big deal to really have to switch over to full-time Zoom. We work with a lot of firms that are out of state anyway. So a lot of the projects we were doing were completely Zoom-based anyway. Right. Um, so that was not an issue. Okay. Well, that's cool. All right. Well, let's do this. I want to close out because you've been so kind with your time. A couple of things I want to ask you real quick. One is, what would be one piece of advice that you would give your younger self as you approach, say, your fifth year of school and you're thinking about where should I go work? What should I go do? Knowing everything that you've, that you've experienced and this pandemic and your, your time in the industry, what would be your one piece of advice that you give that young woman architect that's about to graduate from college and is about to matriculate into her career in the design space? I think it might be the piece of advice I got from a friend. I think architecture is about experience. And unfortunately, when you graduate, you don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> and the way you get experience is by learning from different people. So I feel fortunate to have worked for three different firms. So I bring all of those three firms understanding with me every day. I would say this is probably terrible to say, but when you first graduate, I would say pick a city, pick a firm, go work at that firm for two to three years. And then I would hop to a different firm. What that does for you, not only does it give you more experience, but it probably gives you a pay raise because a lot of times if you're at a firm for a long time, they just don't ever give you a raise. <laughs> Especially yeah. if you're licensed. If you have a license, you are a commodity and um, you're more valuable with a license. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and it's it's funny. We I, I've told design firm leaders that, you know, you should work. You shouldn't be so focused on keeping somebody for forever and a day because that's just not going to work. I mean, the way that our parents operated, my mom worked as a teacher for 35 years. You know, you know, people that you know, maybe worked on a factory floor for, for 30 or 40 years. I mean, nowadays, this generation, Gen Z especially, they're going to have so many jobs in their lifetime. It's not even going to be funny. And it's not, I'm not saying that in a bad way. It's just that there are just going to be so many newer opportunities than even we had. And we're kind of contemporaries. I've got you by a couple of years, even though I don't look it. So, but the bottom line is that they're going to move around some. So I don't even think that that's necessarily bad advice. When I used to recruit in the design space, it was like we would see people that would move around and we'd be concerned that they're a hopper. Now that's not the case at all. You're like, oh, well, they no, they got experience here. They got experience there and they got experience here. So I think that's what you have to look at. And I still think you have to look at the individual collectively when you are potentially recruiting somebody. So I think that is, I think that's very sound advice to give a young design professional as they are about to finish up school and, and get out there. It's a big world and there are plenty of opportunities that they can uh, take advantage of. And I have to plug my own firm. We have new students come and work for us and they have no idea how good they have it, you know, coming from these other right. backgrounds, these other firms. And we have all these like cultural events and 
We are doing group tours of buildings. Like we toured ONF the other day and then we mm-hmm. had a beer on the patio together. We play cook kickball together. We do lake days and campouts and, and we really support your career because we want to keep those valuable people as much as we, you know, just hold on to those people as long as you can. Right. Because they're so spoiled. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. But take advantage of it. So it's it's definitely there. If people want to reach out to you after hearing about this or maybe have opportunities to do work here in the Northwest Arkansas area and might, might want to partner up with you, what's the best way for them to connect with you, Leanne? You can easily go on our website, contact us that way. Email works, uh, phone call works. But yeah, our website is the portal. So okay. modustudio.com, right. M-O-D-U-S-S-T-U-D-I-O.com. All right, yeah, and and we'll put links to the they have a they have a wonderful Instagram page and uh, Instagram account, and so we'll we'll make sure that all that's there, and I'll I'll put the Leanne's LinkedIn information up there so you can connect with her as well. I'd encourage you to do that, and uh, certainly just reach out to her. She's nice; she won't bite, and she'll definitely you know chat with you and and talk with you about what Modus is doing there. So, Leanne, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. As you get ready to get the kids back to school, we really appreciate it. And uh, we appreciate you. And, and thank you for all the work that you've been doing at MODIS, the work that you did for o- ONF, and also for your connection with Zwei Group. So thank you very much. Thank you, Randy. This has been great. Great. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, that's another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. To learn more about one of the oldest newsletters in the design industry, you can visit thezweigletter.com. You can read articles online, listen to this podcast, and sign up for a free subscription to the newsletter and have it delivered right into your email inbox every Monday morning. Sign up today. For more info about Zwei Group's advisory services or any Zwei Group publications, visit zweiggroup.com. You can subscribe to the Zwei Letter podcast wherever you listen to it, and please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and we'll see you soon. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to the Zweig Letter Podcast. We hope that you can be part of elevating the industry and that you can apply our advice and information to your daily professional life. For a free digital subscription to the Zweig Letter, please visit thezweigletter.com slash subscribe to gain more wisdom and inspiration in addition to information about leadership, finance, HR, and marketing your firm. Subscribe today.